looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, guys, welcome back to the show. Today with us, we have the debt-free Dr. Jeff Anzalone on the show. Jeff, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself for us? Yeah, my name is uh, Jeff Anzalone, and I'm a periodontist up in Louisiana. Well, I guess down in Louisiana, considering where you're listening this from. Uh, started started the blog debtfreedr.com about two and a half years ago after we racked up about $300,000 of student loan debt. And we uh, I initially started the blog to just tell people a little bit about my story, teach them how to get out of debt, whether they're a doctor, attorney, any type of high income professional that, that typically has a large amount of debt. And then, then I you know, typically talked a little bit about basic finances. But the more that I got interested in real estate, specifically passive real estate, I uh, uh, slowly shifted my blog to that. And, okay. and now almost, you know, specifically I, I discussed that and kind of what it takes, the, the mindset and that sort of thing, what it takes to, to really make that successful for people. Awesome. Okay. And so let's start from the beginning. So you racked up about $300,000 in student loan debt uh, and you got out of school. Were you married at this time? Were you getting married? And what did you have a job lined up? Let's start right from the beginning and, and you know, kind of dissect this thing. Sure. Uh, I had been married for about three years. We had a two month old okay. and I was supposed to come back here and, and join a group practice. But unfortunately, about two weeks before everything was finalized, the, the deal fell through. Mm. So if, if, for those of you out there that are in, you know, go to a school your whole life. Uh, you know, typically you learn your trade, but you don't learn anything about the business part of it or the, you know, the financial part of it. Right. Well, for, for those that have, again, that have, you know, been through training, typically you join somebody, join a group to kind of learn the, the background. And that, that's what I was hoping for. But unfortunately that mm-hmm. didn't happen. So I had to scramble a lot. Unfortunately, we had already purchased a home, was just paying interest only based on the fact that I was going to be joining this group. So now I had no income, a two month old, $300,000 of student loan debt, didn't have a clue what to do and zero patience. Right. right. So I started networking. Luckily, a, a guy allowed me to rent space from him and he sort of took me under his wing, uh, helped me network with a lot of the other dentists and physicians in the area uh, kind of got my name out there for me taught me the business part and then after about two and a half years i was able to uh, move out by my own building which i'm currently in now and um, you know have my own practice so i'm very grateful for that awesome so you actually today currently you have your own practice that you've been doing and you've worked your way up to uh, yes, but unfortunately, that's that's becoming a uh, fear and fear of people doing it just because of the, the cost involved with not only the student loan debt initially that you're in, but also how expensive, uh, you know, things have gotten since I started 15 years ago. 
Right. So taking on all that student loan debt and then on top of that, the debt to start the practice, um, you're just digging yourself essentially a deeper hole at that point. Um, so Correct. I definitely understand that. So talk to us about where the real estate end of things started to trickle in and how you discovered that. I would say about five to six years ago when we hit our ultimate goal of becoming consumer debt free, it, you know, you, you gear up towards this goal, you know, it took us about seven to eight years to get there. And I guess with anything in life, it's like, okay, you hit your goal. Now what? Right. It's kind of like when you, I guess these players that win the NBA championship or the Super Bowl, they win it and they celebrate. And then it's like, you know, now what? Right. I did it. I hit the top kind of thing. Hit my goal. So I kind of reached that point. It was like, now what? So I started to realize, I think we went snow skiing that year and like a a crazy kid cut in front of us, cut in front of me. And I mean, I, I wiped out, you know, to, to avoid, you know, probably killing him and killing myself that, you know, what, what if I would have injured my arm or hand, I wouldn't have been able to work. Right. And all I was doing was relying on my practice income. I didn't have anything else coming in. You had like so the that, single string of income coming in for you and your family, correct? Exactly. So I think maybe that was kind of the part that really started me down that path. And, and, and it's, it, it, it kind of started there. I didn't know where to start from. So I started looking around and most of the people did something that had a side gig had to do with real estate as far as, uh, you know, doctors, not a whole lot of them were active. Uh, that was kind of about the time that, that the crowdfunding came out online. So uh, I started to dabble in that a little bit. Didn't have a, <laughs> didn't have a clue what I was doing. It was basically, you know, looking at the returns, looking at you know how much money I would get and, looking at the uh, Photoshop pictures of the, of the asset on, online. And I was mm-hmm. relying on, you know, these internet companies only, I don't, you know, you don't know what, what's on the back end. So uh, I won some, I lost some, I, I lost big in one deal that, um, that really touch made on that me a little bit. What's that? You want to touch on that one a little bit? Yeah, I had, I was doing, um, a bunch of little smaller debt deals online, uh, realty shares, patch of land. And then I decided to, to step it up and did a, my first um, equity deal in Oklahoma mm-hmm. with realty shares, which as you probably know, is no longer correct uh, service realty shares.com. But um, long story short, I, the, the sponsor wound up putting too much money. It was a apartment complex in Tulsa. They put too much money in there too quick. Uh, the neighborhood was not good. People, people were moving out quicker than they were moving in mm. kind of a crime infested area. And long story short, everyone, every investor lost their money. Wow. Yeah. 50 K minimum. Now, what looking back, just talking to other passive investors that are looking to invest in funds or syndications, do you think there was anything that could have been done to avoid that loss? Or was it really something that was kind of went right over you guys because there was possibly lies to see and the market valuation wasn't correct and the returns that were promised didn't line up? Uh, do you think there's anything that could have been done there to basically have that not happen? 
Well, someone reached out to me last year from, I think, in the New York area that saw my blog post that I'd written about it. And he was trying to get other people together that were in it mm-hmm. that that I had also lost their money and, and maybe get an attorney involved. But he stated, and I didn't see this, but he stated initially on the on the website they had put in there in the description in the in the uh, everything PPM that it it was uh, the crime rate was high. It it was you know had some statistics, but then they went back and they removed it. Oh wow! Okay, but I I did not see that, so I, I can't vouch for that. I'm just based you know going on what he's saying, you know. Right. But you know, look, I think the main thing that I learned from it was you really need to know who you're dealing with on a personal level. And with these websites, you know, you have like, I mean, and I'm sure all of your listeners know they have all of these different sponsors mm-hmm. that, that they're you know pitching deals for, and you don't know who you're dealing with. So uh, now I take it a lot slower and, and I, personally meet with face-to-face the, the sponsors before I invest in the deal. Yeah. Cause I mean, today, right now, what it really comes down to, yes, the deal has a large portion to do with it, but it also has to do with the relationship and the trustworthiness of the sponsor. Um, those are the people that are handling your money. Those are the people that are deciding what your funds do and where they go to add value to the property and, and even what property to go to. Yes. We can show you as much on paper as we'd like of where this property sits, what we can project it to do, the crime rates, the market growth, the job growth, the vacancy. But at the end of the day, it really does come down to the sponsor, their experience and um, how they're going to use your funds. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So you, you started out with the uh, realty shares, all of that back in the day. Um, what was the next step for real estate? So you're obviously looking to take this passive role um, that obviously didn't work out too well. Some of it did, some of it didn't. Where did you go from there? I took a step back and, and I really started educating myself. Books, podcasts. I went to a couple of seminars, and that really showed me I didn't want to be an active investor. I just I, I don't have the time to be a landlord, you know, with two kids, being married, and running a practice. So I really set my focus on learning about passive real estate and. And it seemed like the, the thing to do was syndications. Right. And the, the more of the meetings, I think I, probably, the, you know, if I was to give your listeners uh, probably one of the biggest pearls that I had was actually going to, if, if we can ever have meetings again, you know, yeah. going to face-to-face meetings and, you know, you, you can kind of see who you're dealing with and, you know, you, you can kind of get the, a pretty good judge of somebody's character uh, when I'm talking about other sponsors and then, you know, talk to the um, other investors that, you know, that, that are in their deals. You know, I, I wasn't able to do any of that on realty share. Right. It was all through the computer. Like you said, it yeah. was not face to face at all. You know, let's, you know, I had LASIK surgery years ago on my eyes and, you know, think about that. Think about, you know, you, you find somebody you think is pretty good and then you start asking about them. Right. And don't just, don't just go by what's on their website, you know, you know, so that I kind of take that approach and I really, I found three people that, that I've dealt with thus far. And, you know, I know all, I know them, I trust them. And, uh, but I had to do a lot of due diligence to get to that point. 
Yes, most definitely. So those three people, are you currently invested with syndications with them or are there other groups outside of those three individuals that you're investing with passively at the moment? Uh, I still have a few deals left at Realty Shares that that's, uh, actually one of them is still paying. But uh, for, the, for the, the, the most part, our uh, yeah, we're invested with those other three groups. Okay. And so talk to the passive investors here. If someone was looking to passively invest in a syndication as a limited partner, so they're just putting their capital in and they're more of a silent party to the deal, um, what should they be looking for? Obviously, we talked about uh, the sponsor. They should be vetting the sponsor, doing their due diligence on them, even meeting them face-to-face, whether that means you know, if they're on the other side of the country, they fly out to you, you fly out to them, you, you, know, you spend some time together because you're entrusting this person with your savings. What else are you looking for as far as the deal goes? Is there certain returns you're looking for? Um, do you like to look for the preferred returns, then a higher split? Or are you looking for just one that has a general split? Talk to us a little bit about that. I think it comes down to your goals and personal preference. You know, I guess, number one, do you, depending on what your age is, do you need the money now or later, mm-hmm. which we don't need the money now. So it, that's not a big deal, whether we are paid monthly or quarterly. Um, it, it also, but, but you also have to take, you know, the, the big fire, you know, community of financially independent retire early. So I think yep. this has become more popular for that group because they're wanting a source of income before they're able to tap into their retirement accounts. And, you know, I'm, I'm 45 now I'm planning on, you know, my goal is planning on in about seven to eight years, possibly if that, if that works out being out of private practice and, but I'm, I'm going to need, you know, passive income to help that until I can you know tap into my retirement account. So I want to get further a little bit deeper into the, the real estate aspect of it. And that's, that's what I'm going to be transitioning to. You know, I just really enjoy it. So it, it depends on, you know, your personal preference uh, with that. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, what, what works for me may not work for somebody else, but. Right. It comes down you know, to your investing you know, goals. With, as you know, with what's, you know, with the, the, you know, the 2020 pandemic has really changed things up a lot as far as the lending and, the, f- the preferred returns and that sort of thing. But, uh, you know, also you have to look at it from a tax perspective too, you know, being a high income individual, uh, you know, you think about your money's tax going into certain accounts and then when you take it out, it's taxed. And so you have to kind of look at it like that. Uh, you know, I would, I would rather pay a lot less tax on, on money versus, you know, higher tax. So, Again, that's why I think getting advisors to, if, if you're not, in, if, if you don't really know much about it, getting people, you know, such as yourself or other people that, uh, that could help with that to help walk somebody through the pros and cons so they have options. Right. Now, touching on taxes a little bit, being that you involve passively and you're involved in syndications, do you ever find that using the tax benefits from these real estate investments that are passed through to you, that you're able to take advantage of that with your everyday job as far as a tax perspective? Well, it's kind of funny you, you mentioned that because uh, probably that's probably the top question people ask me uh, when they email me through my website. But I, you know, I'm not an attorney or anything like that, tax attorney, but uh, this, this year uh, is going to be the first year because I've started to get more involved with real estate uh, that we're going to file as a REP, real estate professional status. Oh, wow. So okay. I, 
I, I think that from 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 the little that I know thus far, I think that's really the only way, unless you're you know an active investor, that 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 would that the taxes would be able to get lower on your you know business income, you know right. my practice income. So right now, only all the the uh, the tax advantages that I'm getting currently now have to do with my distributions, and thus far over the last what, four or five years I've been doing this, we haven't paid any taxes on any of the distributions. That's huge right there. So for those yeah. of you guys that are listening and don't quite understand what we're getting at, um, typically there's a K-1 document that the general partners or the sponsors will distribute to the passive investors through a syndication. And what those are, they're basically your 1099 of, of investing passively. And that's going to be where all the tax benefits, the uh, are, are passed through through your distributions, depreciation, cost segregation, uh, all of the that from a tax standpoint. Again, we're not tax professionals, but we're just talking about what we have as far as experience goes. And if you do become an active investor versus a passive one, you can use as part of that, those tax benefits to roll over into your everyday business or, or job. Um, let's look a little bit at stocks versus real estate real quick. Do you do any stock investing? Have you done any stock investing? I, um, I, I like the diversification. So the way that we work every month, I'm, I'm from Louisiana, so I try to keep it simple. I'm not a complex <laughs> dude. So we, uh, every month, you know, we have a plan and we just work the plan and there's, you know, it doesn't matter how much or how little we make, you know, a certain, you know, a certain percentage goes in this account and that account. So, so basically we max out our, uh, every month we max out our retirement accounts, uh, we have a certain amount that we put into the five, the kids 529 plan. Wonderful. And so we're taking, we're taking advantage of the stock market and getting my, getting our tax deductions for the practice. Uh, those are all in Vanguard index funds, yep. you know, fairly conservative, you know, probably I've averaged seven, 8% gain. Um, you know, that money's in there to when, whenever uh, we reach the retirement age, you can take it out. Right. Uh, anything after that, uh, we, any extra money I have in, in an account that goes specifically towards uh, real estate investing and also our, all of our other passive investments that we have, the distributions also go in there. So there's multiple different, you know, streams of money going in that pot. And then once it gets to the point where we have enough to invest, then we pull the trigger. Wonderful. And, uh, and it just, just works like that. Right. So you, you've got a good process set in place, good systems to where your funds are going to go and where they're allocated to diversify. With these retirement accounts you're doing, are you looking at a, a Roth or a traditional? Uh, I've, we have Roth uh, IRAs for our kids, but with for my wife and I, they're, they're, you know, they're 401ks for the practice because I won't now, you know, being in such a high tax bracket, I want the, the, the tax benefits now versus later. Right. Of course. So you did the, the proper tax planning for that. So right. again, to the listeners, something of the difference between the passive approach for real estate and stocks. The nice thing about the real estates is depending on who you invest with this indication, you can get a quarterly or monthly distribution on your money. So that means when your money's invested, you are actually seeing a return on that. And then if there's a refinance, you're seeing a large portion of that come back to you or profit at sale. Typically with stocks, until you have a recognized gain, you do not get any distributions from those unless you have a quarterly dividend, which Jeff, as you know, you know, it's not a, it doesn't move mountains with the amount that you actually get from those dividend payouts with the stocks. Something else I'd like to 
to mention to people. And, and actually, I wrote an article on it, and it's mm -hmm. titled how, "How Much Money Is Enough?" Because you know we're told, uh, and I think a lot of people are told, especially higher income individuals, that you have to have just you know in order to retire, you know, in twenty years or thirty years or whatever, you have to have just millions and millions and millions of dollars, and that's that's the only thing that we know. You know, you you put your money in your retirement account, and you wait the 30 years, 35 years, you hope, you hope you have enough, not only to retire, but you hope you have enough to where you don't run out of money. Right. You know, so that's, so, so that's the only thing that we've been fed. But now that I've learned about real estate and, and that sort of thing, um, you, you don't need near what you thought. And, and we actually polled some people, polled a lot of people and it was anywhere from people thought, you needed anywhere from eight to 15 plus million dollars saved up in, in order to have a good retirement. Right. But you know, somebody getting out of law school or dental school or medical school that, you know, with, with having that much amount of uh, student loan debt, you know, hearing those numbers, it's kind of like, I don't think I'll ever have 15 million saved up if I, if I want to live a, a good life, you know? So, um, if you, but if you but if you look at something from a real estate perspective, so instead of saying, "Hey, you need 15 million," let's just say you need only three million in, in passive syndications. Well, you mm -hmm. could you could kind of do the math, and uh, so if if you take three million and you have an eight percent you know cash flow rate, that's two hundred forty thousand dollars a year. That's that's roughly about twenty thousand dollars a month tax free. Yeah, I don't know about you, but that's a lot of money. Yeah, so think and about tax how free. much money. Yeah, think about how much money you would have to have saved up to give you that money after taxes. You know, you have to have a lot more money. So there's, there's. That's why I think so many people are, are able to work the system and retire early because they they get this. They understand the benefits of depreciation. They have a good accountant. They have a good attorney. You know, they work with good, trustworthy syndicators, and. Uh, and there's people that are doing this, um, you know, every day. So it's, there's just a different way to, stand, to skin a cat. Yeah, there is. You're right. And if you were talking to someone who being a doctor or a professional or a lawyer coming out of school, people will think they come out and they're just money bags, money bags, money bags. They're making money hand over fist. They're driving the nice car. They have a nice house and they're loaded. It's not always necessarily the case. There's a large amount of, you know, student debt under their belt. And then on top of that, because they don't have that much funds to get the house, the car, they're taking out debt on top of that. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so people hear the word doctor, they hear the word attorney, lawyer, they're like, oh man, this guy's loaded. And they try to target you for syndications, things of that nature, which I understand. Now, if you were talking to someone who's a little bit farther down the line, a, a doctor, a professor, an attorney that is financially stable and you're trying to get them to invest passively in a syndication, but they're not even aware of what a syndication is. What would you say possibly three or four points or selling points on a syndication would be for those individuals versus putting more money into their retirement? I would say, you know, for one, you know, for us, diversification. Okay. Take, take a look at how quickly the, the stock market plummeted in, you know, March of 2020 when the whole country shut down. Yeah. And, and I can't tell you how many people that I knew that that year or this year, depending on when you're listening to this interview that wanted to retire. Uh, and couldn't. 
so, so uh, there was, I, I listened to a lady yesterday on the Dave Ramsey show that she lived in New Jersey and she had $700,000 in her account, uh, retirement account. And before the pandemic, it was, it was, I think it was all in CDs. So she took, she had taken all that money in February, the month before the shutdown and put it all in the stock market and, and, you know, you know, Vanguard mutual funds and she lost, you know, whatever. Probably half almost. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then when, and then when she called yesterday, she said, luckily I didn't pull any out and luckily I've almost gotten back to my original amount. What should I do now? She was worried about the election and, and this and that. Mm -hmm. And that, that's a perfect example right there. You know, having, yeah, have some in the market if you want to do that, but, but have some diversification. So if one goes up and one goes down, well, you have something that you can draw off of. Uh, I, I'm just, I, I've, uh, I, I just like to have multi, it's just nice waking up in the morning and, you just have multiple streams of income hitting your account. And if you want to work fine, if not, then not. So it just depends on if that is important to somebody that's a little bit older, if not, and they want to keep working until they're 90 seeing patients because they love it. Hey, go for it. But that, that's not me. Right. And when this whole pandemic did start, and like you said, with the stocks and how they did drop just about in half, you know, I had a buddy who had 1.2 million in his, uh, in, in a stock portfolio and it dropped down to 600,000. Mm -hmm. He's like, yeah, you know, well, I'm not taking a recognized gain. I'll have to wait this out and see how long it takes to go back up. On the other end, you did look at real estate when this whole thing started and it actually increased. Um, right now, a lot of markets are in a seller's market. A lot of people are trying to buy and there's not as many people selling. That's pushing the value of real estate up. Um, rents are also increasing in certain parts of the market uh, of the country. That is, we've seen as much as 2% gains in rent since the beginning of the pandemic. So again, looking at Jeff, what you just said with diversifying your portfolio, yes, you may have taken a 50% loss in your stocks, but as long as you don't take a recognized gain, ride that out. And then you also have your real estate investments paying you quarterly or, or monthly distributions, you're balancing yourself out. It's, it's a safe haven for you. So I like what you had to say there. Um, anything else you'd say that's pretty attractive to you as far as uh, syndications as a passive role? I like, the fact that I can still get the benefits, the tax benefits, the depreciation benefits as an active investor, um, but you don't have to be a landlord. And, right. and I think this is one of the things that people think that they're going to get when they invest in REITs. They go, oh, I'm going to get into real estate. I'm going to get into a REIT, Vanguard REIT or whatever, but it doesn't work like that. You don't get those, those, those benefits. So I would um, you know, strongly encourage them to look at that not only what you're going to gain, but what, what you're also going to get from a tax perspective too. Right. And, and people also need to look out for what they're investing in. So they need to know the difference between a fund and an actual uh, single asset. So if you are invested in a fund, you don't get to see for the most part, you don't get to choose where your funds are going. They're being moved around between different properties, different projects where the individual assets they're getting invested in that individual apartment complex community, multifamily that you're choosing. Um, and I, you know, I think that's something that's very strong. People need to realize that the IRS w loves real estate in investors. I mean, they mm -hmm. want, they encourage people to invest in real estate to give people a place to live. And Look at the tax code. Yeah, exactly. Tax code is, is written for, and I really never, you know, always heard 
you know, people saying, oh, you know, Warren Buffett, he hardly pays taxes or Donald Trump or, or any of these billionaires that have real estate. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But now I can see that's true. There, there are ways if you play it right and smart, uh, why pay all this extra taxes if you don't have to legally? You know? Right. So and what's the point? And that's why the rich don't pay taxes because they utilize the tax code. They have someone that will look through the entire tax code and find out what they need to be. The government wants money flowing. They're going to flow money and tax benefits to where they, they want to see rise. The government is not a real estate firm. They're not a real estate company. Therefore they put benefits in place. So other individuals, syndicators, uh, investors, developers do that for them and keep the economy moving. It keeps the economy pumping. So again, that those tax benefits it's basically an arrow that the government's pointing to tell you where to invest your money. So yep. that's great. We're going to, Jeff, do you have anything else you want to touch on before I move into the next section of the show? Um, I'm good. Okay. Awesome. So we're going to go to the curious cues. I'm going to throw some questions at you and I just want to get your, uh, your answer on them. First question is favorite podcast you enjoy listening to. Uh, I really like how I built this. Yep. Uh, uh my, Really, I think a lot of those stories are interesting. And I was uh, coming back from a Dallas Mavericks game this year, and I didn't realize that my son was in the backseat that had taken his headphones off, was actually listening to, as well. So when I turned the car off on one of them, I think the guy had started an, uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream or something. He was mm-hmm. talking about it. So we go, we were going to go into uh, to go get gas, and he goes, "Dad, when we come back. Can we listen to that?" And I was like. You were listening to that? You were, yeah, yeah, it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah, it's like it was pretty interesting. So I was like, hey, but you know, maybe I can encourage him to do something. So uh, I like that podcast. That's great. Okay. Uh, favorite book you enjoy reading? Uh, b- besides the Bible, um, I think the the one that, that really got me started going in the mindset of, of real estate was uh, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Of course, now, yeah. Again, I don't, I don't agree with everything that, People, you know, if I read a book from him or Dave Ramsey or whatever, that doesn't mean a hundred percent. If I think people need to realize you don't have to hundred percent agree with somebody, but if you could just take some points from that to make yourself better, make your life better, that's the key. And that really helped me with my mindset and realizing that, Hey, you know, there's a, there's a different way to do stuff. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I'm so glad you mentioned that book as well. You know, with, with Dave Ramsey and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, people constantly message me or ask me, what should I be reading? What should I start educating with? And I'll ask them, have you read these two books? You know, The Complete Money Makeover and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Dave Ramsey. And they're like, no, I haven't. I'll say, go read both those books because they are polar opposites in a sense. R- Rich Dad, Poor Dad, taking out debt, using debt to leverage assets, liabilities. You have Dave Ramsey, take out no debt, cut up the credit cards but you need to know what to take from each one. Dave Ramsey doesn't, you know, only believes in buying real estate and cash, not using leverage in real estate is very difficult. It's almost impossible to scale. And there are lots of uh, tax implications on top of that. So listening or reading Dave Ramsey money makeover, I get it for the individual that's buried in debt and needs to figure something out, take that beaten path. But someone who's out of that area needs to move over to the rich dad, poor dad, you know, realm and take what Robert Kiyosaki is saying. So that's good. I'm glad you brought that up. My kids and I are actually, we just started playing. Uh, well, we, uh, I started off with the cash flow game that Kiyosaki had with my 13 year old. And it was, he got, he really got, I mean, he learned more. He knows more than probably 90% of the adults regarding how to 
uh, you know, to make different calculations and, and everything, but that game, it was, it's really slow if you've ever played it. So I, right. uh, I bought the cash flow for kids game, which it was, it's much quicker, but he realized that, you know, the whole goal is to get out of the rat race mm-hmm. of work and trade time for money. And he said, dad, are you in the rat race? And I said, well, unfortunately I still am. He said, you know what? The rat race sucks. Doesn't it? <laughs> I said, <laughs> You're 13 years old and you, you're right. At least he start, at least he knows there's a difference that there. And the seed's been planted. You don't have to go just this one path. There's, there's other paths. Hey, if if you can get your passive income to start paying your expenses and guess what? You've won the game. You're out of the rat race. Right. That's awesome that, you know, he's, he's thinking like that already. And it's great that you're putting those tools in front of him that he can put in his tool belt and use down the road. He'll be very well off. So that's great. Favorite part of investing in real estate. Connecting people, connecting with people, especially like with you and other investors. And, and it's, it's, that's probably been the best part about it. There's just like a different world out there of of like-minded people that are, that are running, that are wanting to do, do good for other people, but uh, kind of have to share the same goals. Yeah, that's great. Favorite non-real estate related hobby? I would say uh, lifting weights and playing tennis. Okay, awesome. Newbie advice, some advice you give someone that's looking to get started or they're started and they're just looking to do more. They kind of hit a wall. I would encourage them to uh, really educate themselves. I wasn't educated before they invest, uh, read, listen to podcasts, go to, to meetings, but really, really understand it. Don't just say, Oh yeah, I've read books, but really understand. And you can read, uh, you know, the, the different documents that come in, that, that come with these uh, syndications, the PPM that you can ask the sponsor and other investors, uh, question, educated questions, and and really know what you're doing before, you know, you invest. Yeah, that's good. And where do you see yourself in 10 years? In 10 years, I see myself uh, with, with a group, with a a, a syndicator group that we're actively, um, I I don't want to get into all the underwriting and all that sort of thing. I, I really want to get into more of the education, educating people, uh, higher income people, and just share my experience. And, you know, I'm, I, I think that, that if you could, you, you do that and see how you can transform your life and just give people option. Um, today, physician burnout is so high, especially now that we were deemed as a non-essential business when the country shut down, yet liquor stores and and, you know, you can go get your lottery ticket. So that, that was a really slap in the face to a lot of us. Yeah. That what we think is, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm talking about people that were working in hospitals that were, you know, supposedly treating or having to treat these people that were laid off because so many of the electric surgeries and procedures were shut down and that's how hospitals make their money. So, um, more and more people are burning out, burning out, you know, not only from that, but from, each year, our incomes get lower, but the uh, and, but the insurance reimbursements also get lower. So you're actually having to see more patients to make less. So if I could just give somebody hope and information out there that they don't have to do this their whole life if they don't want to, that's my goal. Awesome. 
Uh, Jeff, I think you left us with a lot of insight today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Where can people connect with you, hear more about you, or even, you know, talk to you about this debt-free route? Yeah, uh, website is debtfreedr.com, uh, or they could email me, jeff at debtfreedr.com. Um, awesome. If they go to debtfreedr.com slash free guide, they can download a, a guide I put together, uh, share my experience a little bit, and um, go from there. Awesome. And that's also on your homepage. If you scroll down a little bit, they can get that as well? Uh, yes. Okay. Awesome. Well, Jeff, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.